Hello, this is Marissa Schaefer, and welcome to Dance Well Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk to Dr. Shay Ojofetimi, who is going to talk about sleep, why it matters, how to get good sleep, and sleep and the dancer. And I think you're going to find that you just can't skimp on sleep. Sleep is incredibly important for a multitude of things, including but not limited to how well you function the next day, your emotional well-being, your injury uh, or how susceptible you are to injury, weight loss and weight gain, and so much more. Um, It's way overdue that we've had an episode on sleep. So I would love to welcome Dr. Shay Ojofetimi, who works with me at Alvin Ailey. So a little bit about Shay. Dr. Ojofetimi is CEO of Synthesis Physical Therapy and for almost two decades has been physical therapist with the Alvin Ailey Dance Foundation. She is the creator of Body Shop Class, an interactive injury prevention and management workshop. Dr. Ojafetimi is also part of the research team at the Analysis of Dance and Movement, aka Adam Center, an entity that conducts biomechanical and epidemiological research to aid in the prevention and treatment of musculoskeletal injury in dancers. She is co-author on several dance medicine-related peer-reviewed journal articles. So without further ado, here's Dr. Shea. Buckle your seatbelts. On this episode, nutrition, life coach, dance and performance, psychological training. And today you are in for treat. Hi. Hello. This is Ellie Kushner. And this is Marissa Schaefer from Dancewell Podcast. Dancewell Podcast. Hello, Dr. Shea, and welcome to Dancewell Podcast. Hello. Uh, so Dr. Shea is here with us today to talk about why sleep matters. So broadly, we're going to talk about, again, why sleep matters and the basics of sleep. And we're going to talk about sleep hygiene. Uh, and then we're going to end with sleep and the dancer and slash athlete. So um, that's the lay of the land. We're going to delve right in. Shay, <laughs> sleep yeah. is not just a time when your body shuts down. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what sleep is and why we need it. Okay, so um, for me, this has been a journey for me to to really learn about this. And it came about just me trying to understand how to make myself better and not be so fatigued and worn out and all the time. But um, it was interesting when I found out that sleep isn't just a time that you're literally your body and brain shut off. I used to think that, you know, once we fell asleep, We went down into this deep valley. We stayed down there and then we would come up on the other side in the morning. Hmm. And, you know, for for those of us who get up and pee in the middle of the night, you wake up in and out of the valley a few times. (laughs) But that's not exactly what happens. Um, While we go to sleep, like our body is actually working. So it's almost like there's a whole new team of janitors that come in and they come in and they clean up the whole system. So while you're resting, your brain is busy overseeing a whole variety of biological things, if you want to call them maintenance, to keep your body running in top condition and preparing you for the day ahead. And if you don't get enough sleep or enough restorative sleep, you will have trouble with focus, learning, creating, communicating, um, your emotions, And even it's been linked to high risk of injury and other chronic diseases. So what I always, you know, try to tell people now is just like your car, if you don't service it, or if you regularly skimp on servicing, you're going to, you're headed for a a major kind of breakdown. Well, think about that in terms of your, your sleep. 
when you sleep is when your body is actually being quote unquote serviced. So if you keep skimping on service, you're headed for a major mental and physical breakdown. Excellent. Shay, the end. Thank you so much for being on this podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That was super clear. Um, if we had any question as to why one should sleep, I mean, I feel like you're already paving the way for us to really understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, so you talked about restorative sleep. Could you go into that a little bit? Yeah. So, okay. Let's, let's just give you a big picture of what happens yes. when we sleep. So there are really two main types of sleep. One is called non-REM sleep. And that tends to be the deep, the quiet, you know, it's often referred to as quiet sleep. And the other one is REM sleep, rapid eye movement sleep. That's the time when we dream. And if you look at someone who's sleeping at that time, their eyes, their eyes are closed, but it's literally like flickering under there. Mm -hmm. Hence, they call it rapid eye movement. Now, each phase or type of sleep is linked to different, um, I guess it's linked to specific brainwave activity and neuronal activity in the body. So throughout the night, our body follows this predictable pattern of in and out of non-REM and REM sleep. And it moves back and forth between this, these stages um, about, it, it cycles about 90 minutes, 90, 90 minutes per cycle. And so if you put that in about an eight to nine hour period, then that means you can cycle in and out of these things probably anywhere from um, six to seven times. It depends on, you know, what you, um, when you go to bed and how many hours of sleep that you are, are doing, are getting, sorry. Mm -hmm. So as I said, each cycle typically lasts about 90 minutes and repeats about four to six times over the course of the night, depending on the length of time that you're sleeping. So I can go into... Um, what happens at each stage of sleep now? So let's first talk about non-REM sleep because non-REM sleep has three stages. The first stage is that period of time where you're changing over from wakefulness to sleep. That's the time when, oh, this was the great, I always remember this. This is the time <laughs> I used to go ask my mom for stuff that um, I knew she would always say no to if she was awake. But if she was in this stage, I knew she wanted to go to sleep so bad. I would ask for candy. This is when I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. I would ask for everything. She'd be like, fine, fine, fine. Just go do it. That's that stage. When you go ask your parents for stuff when you know they're going to say yes. So they're half awake. They know you're asking something, but they're so on their way to this journey that it's like, look, I'm trying to fall asleep. Just get out of my room. Yes. Stage two. Yes. Mm -hmm. Stage two is that period of light sleep before you end up going into the deeper sleep. So that's the time that you as an individual, sometimes you'll feel like, wait, was I asleep? Wait, was I asleep? And then you're kind of like, feel like you're hovering in this random space. Um, mm -hmm. But you're not really, you might, you know, you don't, you don't, you're not aware of what's going on. But if somebody came and tapped you, you would wake up easily. Mm -hmm. Now deep sleep, that's when you are deep in, like if, if you've ever had that sensation where the mattress was pulling you in and you were in, like you were not just on top of the mattress, you were inside the mattress. You had no idea what was <laughs> happening, what world you were in, what time it was. 
Um, and the best part, the, the thing about this part is, you know, this is if someone wakes you up from this stage, that's when you wake up and you're like, wait, wait, what time is it? Where am I? Wait, mm-hmm. what day is this? Mm-hmm. Wait, am I supposed to be at work? Wait, what? That's when you know you that you were woken up from deep sleep. Yep. That's all of us when our alarm clock goes off. Not exactly. that it goes off anymore, but. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the stage of, um, that's the stage of deep sleep. So you go literally start from stage one where, mom, can I have this candy? To <laughs> mom is not responding anymore. But if you tap her hard enough, she will wake up to the point where, you know, you feel like you need to shove her to wake her to wake her up. So that's stage one, two, and three. Once we finish stage three, that first cycle, we start a second cycle, but that's the first time you get the opportunity to have REM sleep. So REM doesn't start in the first cycle. It actually starts in the second cycle. Mm. Okay. So you get a little bit of REM and then you go back through stage two and three, which is light sleep and deep sleep. Then you come back up and you do REM and stage two and three until you finish your cycles until the time your alarm wakes up or the sun shows up or whatever time you need to get up. So hopefully everybody has a visual of woo, this, this whole roller coaster ride that we're doing. Mm-hmm. That was very now, clear. Now, what happens in each stage? Well, let's start with REM. Uh, let's start with REM sleep because that's the one I feel like most people are like, oh, well, I, well um, that seems to be the more active. So during REM sleep, that's actually an active phase of sleep. Our blood, our body temperature, blood pressure, heart rate, and our breathing actually increase to levels measured um, compared to me- levels as when we are awake. So. Mm-hmm. Um, people will actually think that you're awake. And studies report that during that REM sleep, it actually enhances learning and memory and contributes mm. to emotional health in ways that they're still trying to understand. How, why is that? Well, you know, remember back then they used to talk about this blood brain barrier mm-hmm. that nothing would cross. Mm-hmm. Not really. It doesn't <laughs> exist anymore. There's, there's, that barrier doesn't really exist. They found something called what they realize is called the glymphatic system. Mm. So literally, it's almost like it's, it is our lymphatic system that's in our body. But now the glymphatic system is in the brain. And when we are sleeping at night around that time, that's when the brain is literally being cleared out. They see things being flush. Cerebrospinal fluid is like, whoo, whoo. And it is literally cleaning the whole brain at that time. Scientists really have like kind of dubbed it as saying, oh, REM sleep, that's the time when the um, brain takes out the trash. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, the, let me think one other. So let's think of through our, uh, through our day, mm-hmm. we do all these activities. So our body produces, um, waste products just just from normal metabolism you ate you went out you exercise all of this stuff there has to be a time all of that is cleared out and that's what's happening when we are sleeping it's just that during REM sleep they found that the central part of the brain literally lights up so most of the activity is actually happening in the center part of our brain and that area is what's been linked to our emotional stability, mental health, and everything. Awesome. And when you say lights up, you mean like 
it's is active. If you were to look at it on a functional MRI, you would see Correct. things are happening. Correct. Awesome. Correct. And then so now that's REM sleep. So you're like, oh, if I find that I'm a crabby person in the morning or I'm having issues with like, you know, feeling very emotional, hmm, maybe I just didn't get enough REM sleep. Mm-hmm. So which actually brings me nicely to my next question. Do we need to be going through these cycles a certain amount of time or have a certain amount of sleep every night? Yes, you do. And so the average amount of sleep that is high, recommended, and it changes per age, the, you know, look at babies. Mm-hmm. You have, perfect. I got one. Mm-hmm. You got one right now. <laughs> She is spending more than half of her day sleeping Tell me about it. because she is growing mm-hmm. because she is still developing. So though, I mean, I love babies for this because anytime we want to look at how things should be, we look at what a baby is doing. Mm-hmm. If you want, you know, like in PT, we always talk about, well, how do you pick up something? Look at pro- proper posture and proper transitioning. Look at a child that is developing. And you'll know what the proper way is to lift something up because you never see a child bend forward from their um, back. No, they They deep squat. squat. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And pick stuff up. So the same thing, looking at a child, they're sleeping because they're growing. Yeah. They're sleeping because their brain is developing. So all of that is happening at that time. So as as a child, a child might be, baby can be sleeping anywhere from, 12 hours to 16 hours a day, depending mm-hmm. on how old they are. Mm-hmm. And the, as we get older, it lessens. But teenagers, um, like pre-prepescent teenagers, the recommendation for them is up to 10 hours. Teenagers themselves, anywhere from about nine hours to 10 hours. And then once we become an adult, we start looking at seven and a half to nine hours. And then as we start getting older, the amount of time that is recommended kind of stays the same, but the problem is you find that older people actually have more trouble staying asleep. Mm-hmm. So you, you have you have issues with that time. But ideally, if you don't, if, if you are anywhere between the age of thirteen and I want to say seventy, mm-hmm. you should aim for at least a minimum of seven and a half hours of sleep, and up to nine hours. Now, when I say sleep, I mean sleep. I don't mean the time, the amount of time that you are in bed. Right. Because you can be in bed for 10 hours and be on your iPad and watching Netflix. Yep, you can. But you only, and binge watch a show for three hours. So now out of that 10, you've taken away three. And then by the time you fall asleep, you've lost an hour and, you know, drama happens, the garbage people come early, whatever. Um, so you actually only end up sleeping for five hours. Mm-hmm. So you can't say, well, I slept for 10. No, honey, you were in bed for 10, mm-hmm. but you slept for five mm-hmm. and you can't feel, you can't fool your body when it comes to that. So Shay, I wonder if we can speak to, I'm sure there are a bunch of dancers listening that have this question of like, okay, dance is a hustle, right? I go to dance class. Oh, also I go to school and then I have like one to two jobs. And really, realistically, I have not much time. So like, how do, how do I fit sleep into a hectic schedule as a dancer? Okay. As a dancer, as an athlete, as a mom, as a anybody, 
you we this is what i always say we make time for whatever is important to us mm-hmm. so just like you know they, i don't know some some gener- some of the generation listen to this may not understand what i'm about to say <laughs> but let's go back to seinfeld remember the soup nazi yes no soup no no, no soup, soup for, for you, you. yeah mm-hmm. this one and he was strict you didn't follow the rules you had to go mm-hmm. this one i'm calling it the sleep nazi Mm-hmm. Instead of no soup for you, it's going to be more sleep for you. Yeah. So in order for you to get more sleep, you've got to be the sleep Nazi. Don't do it. Cut people off. If be efficient in your day, literally put it on your calendar. I had this question. A student asked me this exact question last week. And I was like, okay, how do I, you know, I don't get home from by the time it's rehearsal and all the pieces I'm in, I don't get home till 10 o'clock and I still have homework. Totally understand. So let's go through your schedule. You arrive home at 10 o'clock. Let, hopefully you would have had time somewhere in that day, there was a break enough that you could have had dinner already. Mm-hmm. So that way you're not eating so late before bed. Cause that's a whole nother conversation um, in terms of how that affects your sleep quality. So assuming you've already eaten, you come home, you go ahead and do your homework. If midnight is the time that you can get to bed, then I just ask that you consistently keep to that time. You want to try and keep to within an hour time span of the time that you wake up and the time that you go to sleep, you want to keep that consistent. So if you're not, if you can't do the seven and a half, if you don't have the nine hours, if you can be in bed by midnight and then wake up at seven Mm -hmm. and you repeat that, you keep that schedule, even on the weekends, then your body is better off and can adapt better than if you went to bed at 12 o'clock today. And then the next day you went to bed at 10, but then you woke up at, you know, you went, when you go to bed at 12 o'clock, you woke up at seven. When you went to bed at 10 o'clock, you woke up at eight or it, it doesn't like confusion. Mm -hmm. Our body likes consistency. And as much as you can be consistent with that time that you go to bed and the time to wake up, that's a huge, huge one. Okay. Number two, And when I say prioritize, using the analogy of like you have a jar and if people have heard of this before, the sand and rocks, Mm -hmm. take, if you have a jar, your jar, this is the time, what you can fill that is with the time that you have in one day. Rocks represent the really important things in your life um, in terms of like things you can't live without, food, water, sleep. And then the little pebbles are um, work, family, and all this other stuff. And then sand is, oh, hanging out with my friends and, you know, making sure I catch up on the latest on what's going on with Beyonce and so and so. Organize how you're going to put that in. If you pour the sand in first, which means all the social media stuff, what's going on with everybody else, you're not going to have much room to put your rocks, which is important stuff for yourself. But if you put those rocks in first and then add the pebbles and then pour the sand, everything will fit. Mm-hmm. What am I saying? Prioritize yourself. Put yourself on your own schedule. These days, we have so many meetings that we're all, you know, people are stuck at home or you're taking this class. Just like you schedule it to make sure you show up on time for those classes, show up on time for yourself. And the key other thing that I want to say, last thing about, um, how do you fit it into your schedule? 
if you prioritize sleep, the payback is huge. Mm -hmm. Why? Because now you have a clearer mind. You remember things better. You are in a better mood. All of that goes to function to make you a more efficient person within those hours that you are awake. So something that could have normally now taken you, I don't know, two hours to complete because you are on point, Mm -hmm. because you are sharp. You're like, oh, I just figured out that problem in 15 minutes. Now I have an extra 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Oh, let me do my homework now. So even in in between classes, let's say when, you know, COVID is over and we all go back in between classes, you have breaks, you have breaks, Mm -hmm. even if it's 15 minutes, grab, figure, have your to-do list, be like, what can I do in 15 minutes that I can do right, right now in between this class and next class. So that way there's this whole to-do list is not waiting for you when you get home, you can sneak in a little portion of some part of your homework. So that's how you fit um, everything in, everything in. Mm -hmm. And it's just literally being disciplined. And as dancers, that's something you guys, you know, are already dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just now just say, oh, it's just one more thing I have to add to my discipline schedule because this one is actually good for me. And if it's good for me, it's going to make me even better for everybody else. Just a little piece of like anecdotal what have you to throw in there. If you have been not going to bed at the same time for a a long time, for example, when I was younger, you know, one night I would go to bed at eight, one night, which is early, one night I would go to bed at 11, one night I'd go to bed at 10. So my body was kind of confused, but that was all I knew. And -hmm. then at some point I switched. Um, So, and then I was like, aha, you know, Mm -hmm. this makes a huge difference. So if you're used to going to bed at different hours every night, take our word for it. And, and try it for a couple of weeks and exactly. see how you feel. And it's, understand that it's, go, it's, it's going to be work. It's just, mm. you're just, you're tr- retraining yourself. That's all. Yeah. You know, right now I'm, I've, I'm training myself to be consistent and have slowly switched from being one that went to bed at 12, 31 o'clock. I'm now over the last took two and a half months, I'm now at the stage where going to bed at 11 o'clock, 10 30 is my normal mm-hmm. to get into 10 o'clock honey we're on our way to 10 o'clock <laughs> yes all right shay so we talked about why sleep matters let's talk a little bit about sleep hygiene so can you start by telling us what the best time to sleep is best time to sleep ideally as many hours as you can get before midnight actually pay off more than the hours you get after midnight. Why is that? So they have found that for every hour you go to bed before midnight, it actually makes you feel like you've gotten an extra two to three hours in the morning. Hmm. And they're still studying this and it's not exactly clear, but what they're starting to realize is just like our body, there's something called the circadian rhythm and people have heard about it but there's also the circadian clock, but there's not just one clock. Every cell has a clock. Every organ has a clock and all these clocks are all trying to stay in sync. Mm -hmm. So if you eat at 9 PM and now your body has to digest that, but another clock 
your sleep, you know, your, your, your thyroid or something else is uh, hypothalamus. Wait, I'm sorry. I got a cue from the eyes that the sun had gone down and the weather was, things had cooled down and we were kind of heading towards sleep. But my stomach is telling me it's, it ate something. So that's off sync. So that causes a little dissynchronization. When we comes to um, trying to link those to, together, you want to make sure that everybody is saying the same message. So they're finding that going to bed between 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10.30, those hours actually work better for different parts of the body. Hmm. Because apparently, and they're still studying this, that certain organs are actually, whether they're restored, repaired, and cleaned at specific times. So if you miss that time zone, just kind of thinking of missing the bus, if the bus for the liver cleaning mm -hmm. is from 10.30 to 11.30, mm -hmm. but you weren't at the bus stop, meaning you weren't asleep, guess what doesn't happen? The cleaning. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So by the time you go to bed at midnight, 12.30, the body's like, uh, sorry, you missed the liver. You might want to catch that tomorrow. So right now at 1230, we're moving on. Uh, this is when we deal with the heart. Okay, great. Gotcha. So that's that's what is starting to like, they're starting to understand. But it, it, you can go deep into this. It's so fascinating, especially that the fact that they're still discovering so much more that we don't know. So that's why it's important to go to bed before midnight. Ideally, if you can get yourself in the bed by 930, no later than 10 o'clock. So that that time where you're tossing and turning and trying to calm down, which shouldn't take you the whole falling asleep period should not take more than 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, then you can actually start sleeping by 1030. And then the whole process that needs to happen can happen. Gotcha. Okay, so now we've talked about when is the ideal time to go to sleep. And now what habits should you have when to, to improve your sleep quality? Number one, we already talked about allotting the seven and a half to nine hour time period. We already also talked about trying to keep consistent sleep and wake times. Now the other thing is about your bedroom. Your room needs to be a cave. And when I say a cave, I mean cool, dark, and quiet. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. You want to keep it as cool as possible because when your body is hot, it is very uncomfortable and certain, and it will just try, be too busy working to trying to cool you down to actually relax. Ideal temperature, I think they say is usually like 68 degrees hmm. um, Fahrenheit. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everybody investigate that we're, we're plus or minus to, you know, per your body dark. The dark is so critical. It is so critical because when there is light, and this is why um, we're really having a sleep um, problem in, well, most of the world now, prior to electricity and all this stuff that we have and iPads and night, everything, our grandparents and great-grandparents didn't have to be told when to go to sleep. They didn't have these issues because they would go out to, they would wake up with the sun and then go to bed with the sun. Mm -hmm. So once it was sundown, everybody went home. And within an hour or two of being home, they were asleep. Mm -hmm. They followed the cycle. Mm -hmm. 
But these days we go home and we flip lights on. Those lights are telling our body it's still daylight. It's literally blue light that as it hits our body, it's sending signals to different parts of our body that, oh, there's daylight, there's daylight. So do not produce melatonin because melatonin is what makes us sleepy. We're not ready for that yet. It's not, it's not nighttime yet. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's important to keep your bedroom really dark. Like you should be able to walk in there and not see your hand in front of your face kind of dark. Mm -hmm. That's going to be the best sleep. Nice. Um, with that said, many people go to bed, go to their bedroom with their iPad and they're like, oh, or with their phone and they're scrolling online, trying to figure out, trying to fall asleep to doing emails or social media or even reading um, a book online. Unfortunately, that light that's coming straight into your eyes is still telling your body it's not time to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. So I, um, the recommendation is no screens two hours before bed. Wow. And I know most people are like, what? what? I know. <laughs> <laughs> no screens two hours before bed if you must then buy these janky looking um they're called blue light filter glasses i have them i have them too i have one in florida i have one on my tour box and i have one at home so i got three <laughs> you wear them and it helps filter some of the the blue light away and helps you but please know that you are not fooling your body because your body still knows if you're typing, your body still knows if you're thinking, your body still knows if you're watching a horror movie and completely stretched out. <laughs> no fooling. So don't, no fooling. Mm -hmm. Then the other way to keep the place dark is wearing a night mask. I cannot sleep without a night mask now. Everywhere you just put on a night mask and it keeps you the area dark for you. Okay. So that you don't need your room to be as dark. Is that the idea? If in case you cannot get your room as dark. Gotcha. So if you, if, you know, if you, if you don't have um, curtains that can absolutely block out all the light, then use night, uh, use a night mask. And then to get the quiet, I recommend earplugs. Mm -hmm. And for me, I, the only ones that stay in my ear are the silicone gel like silicone ones that i can just mold mm -hmm. and stick in there and i put those bad boys in i live in brooklyn so you know there is no silent nope. in brooklyn nope. <laughs> no matter what time of the day so literally when it's time for me to go to bed i take my shower i brush my teeth gotta do the head wrap get my scarf on mm -hmm. and then i put on my um a little lavender around because that helps you sleep mm -hmm. and then i put my night night mask on and i stick that tell my husband good night and takes those earplugs in and i'm like silence don't hear nothing <laughs> i was just like oh this is amazing this is great what about um white noise does that work in substitute of earplugs some people for me it doesn't because I like I am I need absolute silence mm. but for some people it actually does work so you can play with what you want like if it you know or some people can play rain or the ocean to me I'm just like oh what is all that noise I just want silence mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um yeah so those are the things so what I remember review make your bedroom a cave, uh -huh. become a sleep Nazi with mm -hmm. the hours and consistent sleep and wake times. Mm -hmm. And um, making sure that, yeah, we said make, making sure that you your bedroom is a cave, which is cool, dark, and quiet. Yep. 
Excellent. Um, okay, so then you talked about how screens a little bit affect our sleep. Can you talk about how substances might affect it? Oh, mm-hmm. that's a good one. That's a good one. Okay, so substances. Let's start with let's start with smoking. What? Oh, smoking. Let's start okay, with great. smoking. Mm-hmm. And most people, you can figure out nicotine is a stimulant. It's a central nervous system stim- stimulant. Sleep, we're trying to calm down the system. So nicotine is doing the opposite of what we want to do when we are trying to fall asleep. And you often hear smokers say, well, I need to smoke because you know, I need to relax before I go to, be- to bed. But what's actually happening is that it's a withdrawal response to the nicotine mm-hmm. that is actually altering the arousal response. So for them, it appears that it's helping them calm down and relax when what's really happening is that they have a withdrawal response to the nicotine in the cigarette. Hmm. So the body itself, when you now has that nicotine in it, now has to try and do all the clearing and um, kind of react to the fact that this, I have a stimulant in my system. Right. And it can't calm itself down from um, well, for, I mean, calm itself down in a way that it needs to in order for you to, to sleep. So smoking is not only just bad for you in general, but it's also bad for your sleeping. Right. So let's not do that. Let's not. Um, another one is uh, caffeine. Mm-hmm. Caffeine is a stimulant. We use it to like wake us up and keep us going. Mm-hmm. Again, that's the opposite of what our body needs to do when we're sleeping. So most people know like, yeah, I try to avoid, you know, I stop drinking coffee or any caffeine, maybe about, you know, seven o'clock because I don't want to do anything. Well, that's a problem. So I'm going to talk about that in a little second, but I want you to know caffeine causes fragmented sleep Mm. and it also causes less deep sleep. That's important to note that it's during deep sleep that our body actually gets a chance to heal. That's when the growth happens. That's when the repair of muscles happen. That is all happening during our deepest phase of sleep. Uh, Shay, sorry, one second. When you say fragmented sleep, does that mean you're not going through the cycles cyclically or you wake up a few times? Can you explain that? Yes, fragmented sleep. So that means you keep waking up. You're still trying to go through your cycles, but they're being interrupted. Mm -hmm. So the ideal in the evening is that you go through these cycles, you know, four to six times over a period of the um, seven and a half to nine hours that you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. You want you want to go through that and you want to go try and go through that uninterrupted. Right. Because if you're interrupted at every cycle, then that's a break. Mm-hmm. So it affects and then that's the period of time that you are, quote unquote, awake. That's not counted into your sleep time. Gotcha. All right. So that's what we mean by fragmented sleep. Gotcha. Um, and how caffeine actually directly affects the body is that it blocks the chemical adenosine. And the adenosine is just a neurotransmitter that promotes sleep. So caffeine, that, 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 that gate that that's supposed to be released from, caffeine will block that. Interesting. So now let's go to the understanding of, okay, when should I stop drinking Mm -hmm. um, coffee or any caffeine? Understand that 
caffeine take reaches a peak level in your body anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes after you drink it. Mm-hmm. But it has a half-life of three to five hours. Half-life means it takes the amount of time it takes for your body to eliminate half of that caffeine. So let's say you had you drank the um, you drank your coffee, the last coffee at four o'clock in the evening in the evening. That means at eight o'clock, only half of the caffeine is out of your system. Hmm. It's going to take another um, four hours for it to get out completely be out of your system. So that now takes you to midnight. And here you are trying to fall asleep at 10 o'clock and you're wondering why am I struggling falling asleep? Mm -hmm. Because you still have caffeine in your system. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for ideally for those trying to go to bed at 10 o'clock, you should stop drinking any kind of form of caffeine around two o'clock absolute latest in the afternoon. Interesting. It's a lot earlier than some folk, especially if they're trying to get their homework done. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. And, but the thing is, that, and I had this question um, asked like, well, if you end up in that circumstance, is it just better, which is better to stay up late doing work or to go to sleep and then wake up early? Mm, go to sleep. It, it, exactly. And there's actually research to support that. They did um, some studies on um, like memory linking cues with certain um, emotional components. I have to pull up the exact study. And they found that the group that they allowed to go to sleep and then wake up the next day when they played those cues, they got it immediately. Interesting. The group that struggled to just try to memorize it and then didn't, you know, didn't go to sleep early and just did their regular thing did not do well. So it's really, and, 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 I was, and I was saying that not only when you learn something new, the amount of sleep you get before you learn something new and after you learn something new really will help, you, will help determine how much of that information you keep. And that's, again, because the more we sleep, the more we go into that restorative cycle. Exactly. And the, and the brain and the memory and the learning is actually processed awesome. because that's, again, going back to REM sleep, that's when the brain clean, clears out the trash. And it's like, oh, she learned today that, um, yeah, rats and raccoons don't get along. That's, <laughs> un- that's, that's unnecessary information. How, oh, she learned this piece today that requires this combination that's a little complex. Ooh, that's important information. Let's mm-hmm. keep that. Mm-hmm. So you have more of what you learned available to you the next day if you get a good night's sleep. And that's how it is. Awesome. How about alcohol? Because I feel like I hear a lot of people be like, oh, but, you know, alcohol makes me sleepy. Ah, it's a trick. Mm-hmm. It's a trick bag. Mm-hmm. So what happens with alcohol is, yes, the alcohol is a, a depressant. hmm but when you drew, so when you drink it, your body actually feels like, oh, I feel so relaxed. I'm going to lay down. But do you often find is you wake up later in the middle of the night yep. or you wake up in the morning feeling like you were hit by a two by four Absolutely. and it's not necessarily that you were drunk because what's happening is while it depresses your system so that if it makes you feel relaxed, what the fact that your body now has to process that alcohol instead of focusing on 
healing the different parts or clearing all these other things, Mm -hmm. it cannot do the job that is supposed to be happening while it's sleeping because it's too busy dealing with all the alcohol in your system and trying to get it out. So by the time it clears out the alcohol to, 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 so that it can now go, Ooh, well that's gone. Okay. So where were we? Oh yeah. The liver was overworked. Well, we can, you know, we're running out of time. It's three o'clock in the morning now. And you know, the next crew is coming in at four o'clock and they have to focus on, you know, the pancreas. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, we're just going to leave that alone. Mm -hmm. The same, the same idea that things have to happen in a sequential or somewhat sequential order. And the same thing when you say about, you asked about alcohol, that same concept applies to food, which is why people say, do not eat um, before going to bed. Like try to leave about at minimum two hours before you go to bed, ideally. And I think as you get older, you actually need to leave a lot more time. These days I have to leave three hours before I go to bed. And then I feel like, okay, my food is not affecting all of it. Yeah, it's like, it's in, it's out, it's done. It's not in my stomach when I'm trying to lay down. When I was a teenager, I used to love to like eat right before bed. It was like comforting. <laughs> now, I'm this is a setup for acid reflux. Yeah, not good. So, so talk to us too about what other aspects of our nutrition might affect our sleep. Um, in terms of nutrition, mm-hmm. um, as I said, not only does the time you eat affect you, but what you eat affects you. Okay, so we've already talked about, you know, foods that are high in caffeine Mm -hmm. and that they keep you up at night. But the other thing about the things that are high in caffeine is that they're also replete with sugar, Mm -hmm. just full of sugar and artificial sugar. This sugar, too much sugar, which is what like they've labeled sugar can be a chronic toxin Mm -hmm. and especially artificial sugar is inflammatory to the body uh pause right there are you talking about chocolate that's my first question and the second question <laughs> is because i'm sad already my second question is can you um can you tell our audience what you mean by um, artificial sugars okay so um sugar isn't pretty much everything whether we're talking about so we have fruit sugar if you have a mango if you have an apple there's sugar in there that's natural sugar, sugar cane, natural sugar. Um, artificial sugar is the, I don't want to name, you know, put certain brands, but it's made from like, uh, what, how can I describe this without using the brand names? The, the, the subs, sugar substitutes. It's manufactured. Exactly. Yeah. Sugar substitutes that you find that, you know, are all over restaurants or it will say um, something will say sugar free. And then when you look at it, it has aspartame or something else. Right. And you're like, yeah, no, no, that's not that that's fake sugar. Mm-hmm. It's 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 manufactured. Those thing, um, those especially those manufactured sugars are inflammatory to our body. Yes. And anything that inflames the body will affect your sleep Yep. negatively. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's, it's important to know what you are putting in your body. Another example, um, another, so I've talked about sugar, low fat diets 
affects sleep negatively. Interesting. So if you are, especially those who are just strictly like keto, no fat, no fat at all, your body does need fat in order to do some things it needs to do. Mm-hmm. And if you are not giving it any fat at all, there will be consequences. And one of the first consequences will show up in your sleep. Again, um, well, keto is the low, low carb and then um, low carb also is, is problematic. Um, but it's important to know that the carbs, your brain, the, the, the sugar that you get from carbohydrates, because carbohydrates do convert to sugar, mm-hmm. is important. Your brain needs that at night while it's working because that's where it gets its energy. Yeah. So if you're not giving your, your, your body or your brain any carbs, it's searching for like, excuse me, ma'am, where am I supposed to get the fuel to do the work that you're asking me to do tonight? And we want to be also careful to make sure you're not getting processed carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. My, my, my biggest thing is like, if you cannot figure out what tree you plucked it from or what part of the ground it came from, it means it's processed. Mm-hmm. Biggest example, I asked somebody, I was like, cheese, you know, that's protein and dairy and all this other stuff. You know, it comes from milk that's churned and churned and made into whatever. Where does cheese whiz come from? A can, Shay. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> the person that answered said heaven. And I was just like, <laughs> I can't with you. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, that is processed cheese. Leave that alone because yes. all those things, literally, your body's like, um, excuse me, ma'am, what is this? Yeah. We don't know what to do with this, so it creates inflammation in the body. Um, one thing that affects me a lot with my sleep is gluten, mm-hmm. and gluten is just a natural byproduct of of wheat. wheat. Mm-hmm. And which means wheat is anything, you know, wheat is grains and we, they make flour. You grind up wheat and you get your flour. Well, the problem over the decades and generations is that I guess in the, in the way that our wheat is now being grown, it's been modified to contain a lot more gluten because it makes it heavier and it, you know, has all these other benefits but our bodies can't handle that much. And especially mine, I'm not allergic, but I'm sensitive to it. And if I've had too much gluten, I can, I guarantee you that night, my sleep quality will be crap. Interesting. Interesting. Um, so all the good stuff in moderation. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm yes. Just kidding. just like, yes, everything in moderation. I yeah. mean, you talked about chocolate. So there's a difference in if you, if you're doing dark chocolate and then, or white chocolate, white chocolate is just literally sugar. Mm-hmm. Dark chocolate is actually cacao. Right. So, you know, there are benefits to that. In this day and age, you can Google everything. You can, um, you can research everything with just one question and get the answers to um, most of the stuff that you want to know. Right. But I wanted to bring up something about um, somebody, I remember I was teaching somewhere else and I talked about the seven and a half to nine hours of sleep. Uh And um, I was at at an institution where 
these are like high achievers, type A personality women who are going to go into government and everything. And one of them said to me, it's like, well, seven to nine and a half, seven and a half to nine hours is unrealistic because when you look at the people who are presidents and, you know, who have achieved anything in life, most of them only slept for four and a half to five hours and they were more productive. And I said, true, probably for the most part, true. She brought up Napoleon. And she's like, well, Napoleon Bonaparte conquered this and da-da-da-da. I was like, great. But he also died of 50, at 51 from stomach cancer. Sure. Yeah. So I'm not saying that you can't only sleep for four to five hours. I'm just saying, how long do you want to live and what quality of life do you want to mm-hmm. have? Mm-hmm. I'm thinking case in point, too, just look at some of our presidents from the time they were sworn in to the time that they left the office. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're like aged 25 oh, years yeah, in four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. yeah, just just a thought, you know, not saying, but hey, depend. you could decide how you how do you want to live your life? I'm, I'm just offering you some suggestions. Absolutely. Um, and more and more, I'm thinking too, you know, like that kid who doesn't like his vegetables. I was like, how can I eat my vegetables without actually eating your vegetables? Well, I'm sorry, kid, <laughs> but you just have to eat your vegetables, your vegetables. aka. <laughs> um, you can't skimp on sleep and find other ways to get around it, like caffeine. Um, ah, just... and that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I'm glad you said that. It's like, because the other thing is like, people are wondering, well, well, how do I know if I'm sleep deprived? I think I'm fine. It's like, well, I want to ask you a few questions. Do you need caffeine or tea to feel awake in the morning? Right. Must you, must you have it? Right. Think, question number one, if that question is yes, if that answer is yes, does it take you several hours after waking not to feel groggy? Uh, even yes. though, and um, even though you may have gotten seven and a half to nine hours of sleep, do you wake up feeling refreshed? Or do you still feel tired? Mm-hmm. If you've answered yes to two out of those three questions, you, may I suggest you are sleep deprived? Right. Because, and oh, the best part, so another study. People don't know when they're sleep deprived. Uh-huh. So they actually studied um, people who, like two groups of who had the seven and a half to nine hours and groups who were sleeping less than six hours. Mm -hmm. They had them rate themselves on a performance scale. So as their sleep um, hours declined and the sleep quality declined, they still kept rating themselves as the fact that they thought they did well. But the actual tax they were doing started plummeting. Their scores started plummeting, but their perception of how well they, they were doing did not change. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, <clears throat> if you answered yes to any of the questions that you asked a moment ago, then you should rewind the episode, start from the beginning, <laughs> get your paper and your pen out, and take copious notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, which brings us to our last point. So let's talk, I mean, you've alluded to this in different like activities of daily living ways, but how does sleep deprivation affect the dancer? So it's interesting. Dancers are athletes. So we have to kind of look at them in, the, in, in that light. And 
thankfully there's some research on how sleep affects the athlete because you know there's not much recent research on dance for anything anyway but here are some things that um, i found focus and recall is impaired when someone uh, when an athlete is sleep deprived their energy level is impaired their emotional capacity is impaired all those three make ex complete sense because we just went over that in terms of what's happening um, during REM sleep and what's happening during deep sleep when your body is repairing itself. The thing that I found the most interesting was that they actually found that an increased risk of injury in um, athletes that was sleep deprived. It was crazy. And so I was just like, whoa, what? So I looked a little bit more into it. And then I said, then they found that insufficient sleep negatively impacted athletic performance across a number of domains, including speed, endurance, strength, attention, executive function, and learning. That's literally everything and, we need. <laughs> hello. And not only that, they, those, those who did not, um, who weren't getting adequate sleep, had higher rates of injury and illness. The illness makes sense. If your body cannot repair, if your body cannot clean house, the house will get dirty and then an infection can easily come about. So in this age of when we're everybody we're trying to prevent ourselves from catching the flu, the virus, the whatever, COVID, it behooves you to make sure you are allowing your body to actually take care of itself when you are sleeping. Okay? Now, there was one study, and I have it here, that says they, found, they looked at adolescents, and they found that the strongest predictor of sports injuries was insufficient sleep and then, you know, the, the higher age. They found that 65% of those students who were getting less than eight hours of sleep at a night had more injuries. This was 1.7 times greater risk of injury than those teenagers who were getting eight hours or more. So it's already hard enough for you to try and stay focused and be present. And now you're finding out that just by sleeping, you can reduce your risk of injury. Right, that's pretty darn excellent. And I guess going back to what I said right before we got into sleep and the dancer is do not skimp on your sleep. You must eat your vegetables, you must sleep. You must. Right. <laughs> you must, you must, yes. you must. Um, Dr. Shea, is there anything that we left out? Yes, I did remember something. Um, and the last benefit, this is, this, is, this is a good one. If you sleep, quality sleep encourages weight loss. Boom. I just dropped that note. I'm going to say that again. Quality sleep encourages weight loss. So if for no other reason than vanity, I need you to sleep. They don't call it beauty sleep for no reason. And how, and, and how, why does this work? I'm not gonna go into this leptin and ghrelin and da 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 da, those are, the, those are the hormones that control sleep. The point is, you ever notice that the longer you stay awake, all of a sudden you start feeling peckish? Mm -hmm. Yes. You want to snack. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there's two hormones that 
literally control whether your appetite goes up or your appetite is going down. At night, one of those hormones, which I believe is leptin, um, it starts going up because it's telling your body, oh, we're not hungry. But ghrelin starts going down, which is the one that's telling your body, we're starving, we're starving, okay? But it goes down. So that's what you want to happen at night. But if you, if you have chronic sleep deprivation, the opposite actually happens. The one that makes you feel like satiated is you're not producing enough of that. You start producing more of the other that keeps telling you, I'm hungry. So you therefore go eat. So therefore you're eating late. Now the, the body has to make a choice as to, okay, do I repair the body or do I di- digest it? Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't do a good job at either. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And now you end up storing this food instead of actually having it burned up before, um, before you go right. to bed. So that's how that works. So sleep and lose weight and look good. <laughs> and sleep and remember your choreography and be on point on stage and all that jazz. Exactly. All good things. Dr. Shay, thank you so much. Thank you. Of course. It's- and if you have any other questions, you can find, you know, look at me up on, uh, on Instagram. I'm planning on putting all this stuff up on my uh, YouTube channel for like the longer lectures to explain all the different aspects. So there's so much we didn't get into, but it's just, it's also just sleep. Just, just do sleep. it. Just do it. I think you gave just plenty of compelling reasons why we should. So exactly. um, people who listen to this can reach you and can find you on Instagram. I think your handle's at, at Dr. Shay. Dr. Shay PT. Yes. At Dr. Shay PT. Great. Uh, well, again, thank you tremendously. I'm sure our dancers will 100% benefit from hearing this and we appreciate you being here. Thank you very much. On behalf of Ellie and myself, I, Marissa Schaefer, want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dancewell Podcast. Our intro soundscape was composed by the dynamic duo Brendan Berry and Dylan Ezzy, and dancer-designer Katie Dean crafted our visual image. To those of you who have made this season possible by contributing to Dancewell, we are infinitely grateful. We wouldn't be where we are without you. Your donations help us to pay for SoundCloud membership, website fees and upgrades, and our recording technology. If you too would like to make a contribution to Dancewell, please follow the link in the description of this podcast to visit our GoFundMe page. We thank you in advance for your support. And lastly, if you like what you hear, we invite you to go to iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and search Dancewell Podcast to subscribe. You can also view all of our episodes and learn more about this podcast by visiting our website at www.dancewellpodcast.com. If you have questions or want to get in touch, email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com. Bye.